Well, good morning, and can you hear me? Yeah, awesome, I can hear me too. And that was all true. <laughs> yeah, so thank you. Praise you, Lord. There you go. Hey, I can hear me now. Can you hear me now? So, man, I am so proud of you, church. Today was like, oh my goodness, there's some seriously hungry people came to church this morning. Yeah, right? Because that makes all the difference. It's that hunger. And that hunger means that we actually have faith that God is going to show up. I, I know that he's in us. I, yes, yes, yes. But there's this thing about hunger that makes such a difference. When you're hungry, as in your stomach's growling, don't you feed it? Well, what if we stirred that hunger up in ourselves every single Sunday when we came to church expecting to encounter God? What if we stirred that hunger up in ourselves every single Sunday in such a way that we wanted to be a people of his presence in such a way that he wants, he, God, wants to actually come and participate in our worship? And he wants to come and participate in our, the message that we serve up. What if we switch the mindset that it's an obligation, it's what I'm supposed to do, it's what I'm used to, it's the groove that I've grooved, it's what's expected of me, it's that one time a week I get to see my church family. All of that stuff is amazing in and of itself, but what if we just changed our mindset and decided that, you know what, yeah, I'm going to get up, I might even get up early so I could spend a little bit of time with him before that I come so that I'm not as ravenously hungry versus I'm full so that I actually have something to give out. Yeah, okay, I will. What if we... <laughs> Love you, Ryan, for real. So what if, what if we actually shifted our mindset in such a way that we chose to even get up a little bit early on Sunday morning, go seek his face. I don't care if you do it from the bed, from the bathroom, from the shower, from your loft, wherever it is in your home that you want to do it, just do it. So what's that? In the car. In the car. All of that. In the local restaurant, if you're getting breakfast, I don't, it doesn't matter where, but if you are intentional to seek his face. So that when you come here, you're full, so you've got so much to give out that as soon as you walk in the door and you hug somebody, if they're not in a place, you spill over to them and they become hungry. Seriously, come on. Because the difference between this Sunday and last Sunday was the hunger. That was the difference. That was the difference. So, Father, I thank you for your hunger. I thank you, Father God, that you wrote this covenant with you so that it can't fail. So all of us just take a collective sigh. We don't have to worry about getting it right. He did. And he wrote it in such a way that it can't, it's a not-miss opportunity. It's a can't-miss. It has to happen because he wrote it with him, and he's absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. So today's message, if you haven't already figured out, and, and they didn't know the title of the message, they just knew Tim had invited us to share testimony of what took place in Georgia. And it's not because we went to Georgia, it's, it's, it's a piece of it, but it's because of the hunger that he stirred up in us, and we've chosen to give in to. So the title of today's message is Encounter with God. And in a minute, Tina is going to share um, from her perspective, and then, but anyway, it's just absolutely amazing. So turn to me to Luke 8, verses 1 to 3. If you've got a tangible, I can't help it. I've got two of them with me. I'm to the place now where I've, I, I, I actually can't spend a ton of time. I don't even have it with me. Yeah. If you've got your electronic word with you, awesome. If you've got a tangible word, I need to, I need to be able to smell it and hold it and write in it. So turn to Luke 8. I'm going to be reading from the New King James. And Luke 8, 1 to 3, is about a radical change in the encounter. So I, I want to talk to you about, and we want to talk to you about today, what happens in the encounter. We're not talking about an event, because I've been to plenty of events. We've had some of those events here. 
where everything's all hopped up and everything's all hyped up and everybody's all excited. And then the next morning, it was an event. But when you encounter God, or I got to flip it because what I think happens is he encounters us, not necessarily the other way around. And I'm not saying we can't encounter him, but I'm just telling you where he's got me at this point, it's about him encountering me. It's about him inviting me into the encounter with him. And the way that seems to happen is this longevity of him building up hunger. The hunger that we talked about, you're going to hear a lot about hunger. It's so, it's so important. Because hunger, actually, you actually believe what he says. You actually believe that he actually wants to be one with you. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to be in that relationship with you. The whole reason that Jesus went to the cross in the first place, that's what it was all about, getting us back into right relationship with him, right? Not right relationship that we dot all the I's and cross all the T's, because if that's the case, we're all doomed. Come on. And it's not the case. So he wrote it with himself to ensure that this thing would happen. Why? Because he loves us so much, he wanted to make sure that he didn't spend eternity alone. He wants to make sure we actually get there. But we have to make some choices along the way. So anyway, Luke 8, 1 to 3. Now it came to pass, so if you go into Luke 7 and, and so on, Jesus heals a centurion servant, Jesus raises the son of the widow of Nan. Uh, John the Baptist sends messengers to Jesus. Just a couple tiny little things. A sinful woman is forgiven. Just some minor little things, right? Not, not a big deal, right? Just, just, just the ordinary day for Jesus, right? Come on. Come on. <laughs> Seriously. What if, if we get to this place where we change our mindset and we choose to encounter, let him encounter us or us encounter him, whatever way it is, what if we change our mindset in such a way that actually that could be commonplace for us? What if it wasn't about creating events to go do, but what if we just were? Because when... My insides are starting to shake again. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. So when you, when you get to that place where you're so hungry for him that nothing is going to satisfy it, and you know nothing will satisfy it except for him, it just comes out. I'm telling you, it just comes out, and it settles some things in you. It doesn't mean you haven't dealt with inadequacy or, or whatever it is that you've dealt with your whole life. My big deal my, most of my life has been inadequacy, not feeling like I was good enough. But he settled that thing because he chose to say that I'm good enough. And if I'm good enough for him, then it's on. I mean, I just have to believe it and accept it and receive it. And when that happens, and, and it, for me it happened in the encounter. So now it came to pass afterward that he, Jesus, went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. Listen to verse 2. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. It doesn't say that she had a hunger for Jesus, but can you imagine, if you if you've are in this place and you haven't dealt with torment, I want to talk to you. So let's just think about the torment that you've dealt with in your life. Whether it's seven demons like she had or whatever, it doesn't matter. You've all dealt with torment. How desperate are you to become free of the torment is the key. That's the key. We've been blessed to minister to so many people. And I'm telling you, when it goes really well, because we're always willing to let him use us to help the person sitting before us. But if the person sitting before us isn't hungry and desperate, we might as well play the game of gin rummy. Because that's about what happens. But when they come to us and they're hungry, yeah, Heaven does come to earth and move through that person, and they are permanently marked and changed. And they can no longer go back to where they were. Yes, we have the option to go back. Lot's wife, boom, done, right? So we always have the option, but you get to the place where you actually can't make that choice anymore. And when you can no longer make that choice, your past can no longer come with you and torment you. Instead, your past comes with you and changes other people's lives. And that's what it's supposed to do. I'm just a little hopped up, and it's not because I had. <laughs> so Mag Mary called Magdalene, out of whom 
had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. So after he freed them, that's when their stories really begin. That's when Mary Magdalene's story really begins. It's after the encounter. And she provided for him from her own substance. So from whatever she had, it doesn't matter whether she had a lot or a little, she then spent the rest of her days providing for Jesus because of the encounter. So it's our choice, by the way, in the encounter, you can make it an event where you go to bed that night and you get up the next morning and it's like, oh yeah, that was, that was cool. Or you can allow it to do what it was intended to do by Jesus and mark you in such a way that you're permanently changed. Amen. He gave us free will. John 19, 25 talks about standing by the cross of Jesus where his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Man, they were standing at the cross of Jesus. Do you think they were being quiet? Do you think those women were just standing by idly, just calm and everything? I'm pretty sure not. I'm pretty sure they were showing some outward emotion because their king was up on the cross. What we don't know is whether they were full of joy because I understood what was taking place or not. I'm betting they didn't understand the fullness of the impact yet. So I'm sure they were quite outward with their sadness for what was taking place. That wasn't safe. But they didn't care. See, one of the things the encounter does for you when you let it be what it's supposed to be, you no longer worry about what people think. It doesn't mean you become ignorant to people. It doesn't mean you don't care about people. It means you no longer care about what people think for your relationship with him. So you'll be out if you want to be out. If you want to worship freely, you'll worship freely. It changes things. You don't worry anymore, which is why your confidence level goes up. That's why your confidence level goes up. Mark 16.1 tells us that Mary Magdalene was one of three that bought spices that, might, that they might go anoint Jesus' body. Man, those spices weren't cheap back then. So this was an investment to go anoint his body, which was commonplace back then. That's what you did with the dead. Turn to John 20. John 20 got moved. <laughs> Verses 11 to 18. <laughs> She's innocent. <laughs> but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? That wouldn't kind of disturb you a little bit, seeing these ginormous angels, right? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I'll take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, and that fast, as soon as he spoke her name, as soon as it registered that he saw her, he heard her in her anguish, in that very nanosecond, she says, Rabboni, everything was settled, which means teacher. In an instant, in an absolute instant, her anguish was settled. That's the purpose of encounter. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and she told them what he had said to her. I also think, because women were not allowed to speak. They weren't thought of well, right? So my opinion, I think Jesus chose Mary Magdalene to kind of set the world on its head. Like, hey, y'all got this wrong. Women matter. 
Oh, and by the way, the first one that gets to see him, and then she gets to go share it? The good news? Hello. Hello. Just saying. Um, yeah. So, Tina, go ahead and share what, what, what was your biggest encounter, what was going on for you. And we might have to turn you on. Hey, you're live. Oops. Now you're... Now you get. Hello, hello. Hello. Yes, um, that's pretty much been our journey to go seek after God. And, and whatever we feel like a nudge or suggestion of going, we're there. Well, this last trip here to Georgia was uh, another event. And there was a dry season. It was a very long, long dry season. But God just kept uh, in prayer. He kept speaking particular things. And I know you can relate to this because when he's speaking to you, it seems like this is popping up in front of you again and again and again and again. And everybody, is there anybody here who is not on a journey to have the past be done with? Can I see hands of those who are in that journey of having the past be done with? Hallelujah. Because that's, that's important that we, we see that and know that he declared it finished. It is finished. It is finished. We want to stand on that. But we're in a journey, right? Glory to glory, sanctification to sanctification. So here I am in my journey, and, and Georgia comes up. And it came up, and it was interesting, because everybody know that they were here at King's Church? That they were here? Does everybody know that? That the, where we went, the pastor taught, what was it, Todd? Todd that was here, and he did the baptism thing here. Well, Jeff was on fire with the idea of going. I was like... How come I'm not feeling that fire? Like, I should be, like, ready to go with that. And so I took him, and I figured, oh, I just need to get over myself. I'm just going to go. And I know when I'm in his house and he's moving, he's doing, I, I am just going to praise him and watch his glory fall, you know, as everybody's praising. So as we went, went over there, I could not go in the building. I kid you not, I could not go in the building. I was like, I'm not supposed to go in. And I don't understand that, but if he's saying I'm not supposed to go in, I'm not going to go in. And I'm like, of course, I do my, I rebuke you, enemy, get away from me now in the name of Jesus. But that wasn't the enemy. It was like I felt this gentleness as he was nudging me not to go in, like almost like a feeling of like, I, I don't want you to go yet. And so I, I said, turned to Jeff and I said, I'm not going. I said, he just told me I'm not going, and I was kind of like inside, like, I want to go, <laughs> because there must be something I'm missing, because if it's like, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to go. But um, I said to him, I'm not going. I got in the car, and I had my little pout session. I said, Papa, I don't understand this. I know I didn't feel like going, but I was like, I don't want to miss. And then before I finished the words of I don't want to miss, he says, Tina, you're not going to miss a thing. I'm not going to let you miss a thing. So... I drove home, and I started feeling joy after I had my little pot session, and I started talking, like, okay, God, I know you won't let me miss a thing. So I got home, and I had the sweetest time on my own. And I'm sitting there thinking, but that's still on the back of my mind. I wonder what that, you know, what that was like. And God, if I'm supposed to have something occur, you won't, you won't let me miss it. So I'm sitting there, and I'm just pretty much trying to let it all go and just have my sweet time with Jesus and I settled into it finally, and then the next CNO, we have group. We have our marriage group over, and there was some people talking. And I hear, like, um, the name Todd in Georgia and going. And I'm, all of a sudden, my ears just, like, drew in, and I was like, oh, we're going, we're going. I turned to him, which normally we'll have a discussion and pray about it. I said, we're sure. going, we're going. <laughs> and so I'm there like, um, okay, we're going. So next thing you know, here comes today. We're driving out there. I'm not feeling the, the excitement the whole way out there, but I'm, I'm knowing, I'm feeling. Anybody here can relate to feeling like God's got something for you? Like you, you know he's talking to you about something, and there's this feeling like something's coming. Well, I was, I was feeling that. And so when I got down to Georgia, and we were getting out, and I went into the building. Has anybody had a building experience? You walked into the building, and it was like, yes, this is where I'm supposed to be. I, I feel him. I feel him, and I feel like that, that feeling that I was feeling is starting to heighten in me. And it's like, so you're getting, you're getting excited. Is everybody, can you relate to that? Can you show me by hands who can relate to that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So um, 
So I go in, and the first thing I'm drawn to is the artist. There's a worship artist, which one day, Lord, we want to have here an artist to paint while we're worshiping to glorify you. Um, so I see these paintings, and all of a sudden what I, what I see is this Bible, and he's been talking about getting into his word. He's been repeatedly inviting, get into the word, get into the word, get into the word. And um, not to be, for anybody who's struggling with that, no guilt. Just take that guilt, lay it at the foot of the cross. Just ask God to give you the hunger for the word. He even says in his word, if you ask me. So ask him to give you that hunger for the word. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing Holy Spirit. And it says the Bible without the spirit and the spirit without the Bible. Um, it, it said something specifically that uh, the word, you can't have one without the other. And if you don't have like the Bible with Holy Spirit, it's like you're not complete. It's not complete. And I appreciated that because, again, I'm getting confirmation, and I'm, like, fired up, like, yes, 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 Lord, yes. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get in the Word, and I hear you speaking, but it's not like I'm going to force myself because I hear you speaking. I, I want the hunger. I want to go after it with a passion. I want to go after it with a hunger. And, um, and then we go, and uh, um, she didn't have that picture. I was going to get that picture, but then... Um, there was a picture of Jesus, and we didn't bring those pictures. We were going to bring you the pictures and show you the pictures because they would definitely bless you. So anyhow, let's get, I'm going to fast forward to the baptism. They start talking about the baptism. Of course, the enemy wants to come in and have me doubt. Well, the red flag, who knows when there's a red flag when the enemy's whispering to you about what you're doing? The fear. If you feel fear, guess what? Busted. <laughs> That's not of God. God doesn't give me fear. So I'm right where I need to be, and I'm going to keep processing forward. So I get down into the baptism room, ready, into the baptism room. And before you go in down the stairs for the baptism, there's a pastor there. His name is Pastor John, wonderful, wonderful man that I met. And he starts talking to me. So what are you going to give to God um, in the pool? What do, you, what, do you, what do you want him to take from you? Well, I have been in a process, again, as I spoke in earlier, I have been in a process for quite some time to be free of my past in a particular area where it was way overdue. And um, I can look at it, perspective is a very strong thing. I can look at it one way or I can look at it another. And I choose to look at it the way God says he wants it to be seen. And it's like, okay, I can look at it that, Lord, this has been forever. And I go through these... Um, Places where it's like, Lord, when, where is this, when's this going to end? When, when's this going to end? When I should have been thinking more of like, you've already finished it. But I was where he had me. And I started noticing and seeing him taking me through, everybody's familiar with layers, right? Getting taken off the layers. Okay, I've been in that pro, on that travel, that road of pass, uh, um, pathway of him taking off the layers. So I'm there and I'm talking to the pastor. And I said to him, I said, you know, I've been in this process and I didn't get the opportunity to tell him that I knew God had led me here f for the finishing of it. But I started saying process, and he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I keep hearing you say process. It's a finished work. And I said, oh, yes, Pastor John, I know it's a finished work. He, he did it. He's done it. But he said, what if you approach, what if you went down there and you asked them, to say you want the completion. And I think that's interesting because earlier I heard the word completion. See what he does? See what he does? It's like, yes, you're hearing me. You're hearing me. When you have those thoughts and you hear it, like, you're hearing me. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so you're telling me all this time that I've been going through the, the process. Okay, my journey. You're telling me that all I had to do was just believe, okay, and then basically I would have walked in the freedom of it. And he said, he said, well, if you believe that he did that, and I said, well, thank you for sharing that with me. I could have used that way back then, but, <laughs> but it's like, okay, here's, here's my perspective. I could choose and say, oh, darn, all those years. But instead, what I did is when I went down to the water and Pastor Marty was there, I, and he said to me, so who are you? Told him my name, and I said, I'm here. And I talked to Pastor John, and he's telling me that what I should say here is that I, I, I want to be completed, that it's completed. And I turned to him, and he says, so, um, so you want everything to be 
complete and finished. And I said, well, yeah. I said, but can I say something to you, Pastor Marty? And please hear this. And I hope this will turn your perspective into where you're at, feeling like, Lord, how long? What came in my heart, and I didn't even know it. My brain didn't even have a chance to process that. But it was like, what came out of my mouth was like, you know what, Pastor Marty? It has been a long time. But I choose to look at it like this. I could look at it that way. And I can get angry at myself. And I can get angry at whatever. But I look at it this way. I saw it as he loves me that much. That he took the time to do, for it to be this length of time. That he loved me that much. That he was just stripping away. Stripping away the layers. I would have liked this done like right now. But he said, I love you. So that told me when he said, I love you, when I said, why can't this be done back here? That spoke to me that there was something I didn't know in the process and in in, in what he was doing with me. So I was like, that was came from my heart, and I meant, I meant it. I said, that's how I choose to look at it. He does not delay, and he does not present torment in, in the waiting. I said, um, so I'm going to sit... Um, ask and request because he's already told me before I came here that it's finished. So I'm going to say it's complete. So as he dunked me in the water and, and brought me back up, my legs went off from under me. And I'm telling you, I know the difference, like if I can push him down and, or if I'm standing or if I'm just doing what ended up happening was that just as I would be, slayed in the spirit and lay it down like go down I I went in the water and you know when you do the dead man in the water what happens you float so I was out in the spirit my legs were floating but yet I could hear what was going on around me and I just felt like I felt like Papa went in because I began to cry as I felt the presence of God on me I didn't see anything but what I felt is I I'm a feeler and a sensor more than I am a seer I do see, but those are my strong points. I felt like he went in there and he took the remaining and the rem- remnants of what was, and he brought that out. I started crying and weeping as he was just removing it. Like it, it was like I just, yeah, I just felt it from so deep within me, and I said, "Thank you, Jesus, thank you." And as he pulled, pulled that out, I was there for a long period of time, but then I went from the sorrow. It was sorrow me last through the night. Joy comes in the morning. I started rejoicing like I started laughing. You've heard me laugh. But it was like I was laughing like I was just made new. And you know know what? Three. And you know what? I was. I was. I am not the same Tina that you saw before I went on that trip. I felt like my confidence went up notches. I felt like as you see me moving and dancing, it's because I am free. I know you see me moving and dancing a lot of time, but my dancing and my movement and my thought processes, I'm, I'm worshiping, praising, has gone to a new level. And it's, and, and, and it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine the place where he has brought me. And if you, if like you were saying the hunger, the hunger, I, 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 again, it's a a choice. It's a power in your choice. Do you want to go with this perspective? You want to go with this perspective? And I know with the feelings and everything, but you get, it gets to a point where it's like, no, God said, stand on the truth. This is, this is a fact. This is all going on over here. But what does he say? And, and just like as you would once grab a hold of that old stuff no you grab a hold of his truth and you say I'm not going to be shaken I don't care if it doesn't look like that right now but he said it it's going to be as he has said and I may be uncomfortable in the moment but my joy is coming in the morning so so I got up and I got I left there Jeff and I um I was wondering too with the baptism I was wondering like if it was supposed to be Jeff and I going together that was the other thing he spoke to me he said he, he made me feel and sense like, no, Tina, this is, this is you going on your own. But on the next night, he, I was like, I felt when he said that there was something more with it, though. And I'm thinking, wait, you can get 
you can baptize twice? So I, I was like, okay. So the next night when they started talking baptism, I'm not going to go. I can dive in that. Uh-uh. God, God was there. God did what he did. I'm not going to let thoughts enter in to say, oh, did I do the right thing? You know, no. I've got the fruit of the mighty hand of God. That's where he took me, and nothing's going to take that from me. Because Satan doesn't want me free like I'm getting free. God wants me free. He took me there. So I'm not going to allow those thoughts or dive into that and wonder, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have. But the second night, the second night, um, I, I got excited because I felt like he was saying, Jeff and I are supposed to go in to this one. And we were supposed to see um, Pastor Martin again because he already got the first pieces of our, our being there. And um, it was so cool because uh, we went in and he goes, oh, you're together. <laughs> it's like, yes. And God, again, I'll, I'll speed this up. I don't want to take a whole lot of time. But uh, what he did in that donkey was Jeff and I had been in quite a journey of our um, marriage. Mm -hmm. And I felt like God was saying, I told you I've given you a new slate. I've given you a new slate. It was time to celebrate. So I'm, dunk, I, I'm just letting you know with this cleansing, don't look back. It is finished. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confirming that clean slate that I spoke to you of and, and, and not to look back. Not to look back. Even if the familiar comes forward, do not look back. So, um, so after that, we both... Uh, Received our dunking, and then we had the night of, uh, <laughs> yes. There wasn't a lot of sleep happening. <laughs> no, there wasn't. Actually, we got dunked. If you were really hungry, 1 o'clock in the morning is when we finally were able to be baptized. And it was so worth it. So worth it. So um, why don't you tell them about the next morning? So the next morning, um, Bishop was preaching. Mm -hmm. Now, this is so cool because this is really neat because God given this, he's so awesome because Pastor Jim is going to be doing deliverance. You know that next Wednesday? This Wednesday. This, this, this Wednesday. Wednesday. This days. Wednesday. And I kid you not, as he said, it's not spooky. Well, like Mary Magdalene, this is what was cool, him picking Mary Magdalene. I'm not, I'm not boasting in the enemy, but I went through deliverances and I know, I know the experiences. I had the bad experiences, and I had the good ones. And the bad ones were a bit dramatic. And then God said, no, he doesn't get the floor and make a show. Um, so Bishop, um, Pastor Bishop, or Bishop, Bishop. speaking. Yep. And uh, <laughs> this is so cool. Because, um, <laughs> again, I have to move this because I don't want to fall over it. But... Uh, he calls up front. He's saying, anybody here who felt like you've been under this weight and you felt like you were being squeezed and you couldn't connect with God, you couldn't connect with God, and you felt like you were losing your ability to connect, you felt like you weren't able to, uh, uh, like you were praying to the air, like you were praying to the uh, ceiling, you know, and like you wasn't getting any, and it, it, it is, it's a deception. When you get into that place, there's so much deception. His truth doesn't change there. His truth doesn't change there. There's this deception that's taking place. So we want to come away from the deception. So he called us. He said we ran up and we stood there. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to command now because what the Lord has shown me that there is a spirit, a python spirit. Okay? It has been around a lot of his has leaders. Has been around a lot of his leaders. Mm -hmm trying to choke them out and trying to take them out. And so he said, the Lord has told me now we're going to break that off for you now. It has to release you now. All of a sudden, I kid you not, my body went like this. Like it turned as though it, I was like twisted around like this here. And I felt it and I felt myself go the other way like it had wrapped, come around. And then... I'm standing there and I'm going like, whoa, whoa, praise Jesus, you know? I said, praise you, Lord, your mighty power. Thank you, Jesus. And then Jeff. And then, and then as I'm listening to the bishop finish this, he said, and there's some of you that feel like you haven't been able to breathe. And I literally, without trying, where are you going? We're not quite finished there. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> 
So anyway, as he was saying that, immediately I was forced onto my knee. It wasn't me going down to my knee. I felt that I was forced onto my knee and my eyes were closed and it went black and I couldn't breathe. And the next thing you know, he says, and right now in the name of Jesus, I break that python spirit off and you can breathe. And all of a sudden I went, <gasps> it, was, it was wild. And I just felt this uh, weightiness come off of me. Um, we both, as we processed later, felt that weightiness come off of us, um, which just shows, we just set you up, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> That's free. <laughs> but um, it, it was so powerful be, because of us being hungry enough to go for his encounter. Yes. So even, yes. Right, even right now, can you put your mic in the other hand? Awesome. So we just pray for all of you Ooh, yes, to, Lord. Hallelujah. to have your hunger grown, to Hallelujah. have that desire grown, that yes. um, you to end levels. up with this insatiable yes. appetite. Yes, to levels beyond you can think or imagine a hunger that's going to come upon you now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You're not going to know what to do first. You're going to run for the Bible, get on your knees, shouting and, one, and, and praising as you're standing in one place. It's, it's going to be so stirring, so wanting. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Go with it. I hear him say, well, then just go with it. <laughs> yes, Lord, we thank you and praise you that you will do that for us. You would do that for us. You're not looking at how long it took us to get there. You're looking in the now. You don't look back into what was. You're with us now and moving forward to where we're going. And that's why you're speaking now, children. I'm going to stir up that hunger in you. And I want you to go for it. I want you to go after it. Because there's much waiting for you there. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Woo! Praise you, Jesus. Who's hungry? Let me hear your hunger. Who's hungry? Yes, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Nothing? Thanks, thanks sweetheart. <laughs> so, so, didn't she do an amazing job? <laughs> it's all about the encounter, I'm telling you. Um, so, turn with me to 1 Kings 19. Thank you, Tina. So just because you think you might not have something, don't even have to worry about it because in his timing, he will take care of it. We didn't know we were dealing with that. He did, and he took care of it. So <clears throat> we're going to read verses 1 to 17. Ahab told Jezebel, and by the way, um, huh? Uh, 19. <coughs> by the way, I'm not sick. It's just this Kentucky wonderful allergy stuff. Love Kentucky. Don't love that. I even took something beforehand, but you know. Um. Oh, verse 19, verse 1. We're going to read 1 to 17. Chapter 19, verses 1 to 17. Okay? So, what did I say? First Kings chapter 19. Okay, awesome. Um, by the way, Elijah did a whole boatload of stuff before this. So we're just going to jump to this season in his life. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. Why do we do that? We get onto this mountaintop thing, God starts to elevate us, and all of a sudden somebody speaks a sideways word, we take it to be the truth versus the, the encounter that we just had with God, and all of a sudden we go run. What the heck are we afraid of? For real. What the heck are we afraid of? Thank you. But, okay, I'll make it personal, because none of y'all have done that. I have. I've spent a lot of years in that freaking dark, damp, nasty cave. And it's no fun in there. It's no fun at all. No fun. I'm just going to declare now that I've spent so much time in the cave. That's why the sinuses are doing this. I'm not in the cave anymore. So in Jesus' name, be healed. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba, 
that belonged to Judah, he left his servants there, but he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. Come on, seriously? Great encounter with the Lord. All kinds of great escapades. All kinds of fantastic stuff happened in the name of, G- in the name of God. And all of a sudden, he's feeling all depressed and ready to take his life. Really? It just got really quiet. There's far too many Christians that that's their experience. Your Christian walk is not supposed to be a roller coaster. The highs and then in the... In the we even sang it this morning. He's the same God in the mountains as he is in the valleys. The same God. He didn't disappear. He didn't take his weightiness from us. He didn't do any of that stuff, and he never will. He said, I have had enough. Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at his head was a, I, I can imagine that the, the, the angel said it just like I did. Like, really, dude? Now get up and eat. We're here to take care of you again. It doesn't say he said it that way, but in the moment, it, it fits, because that's pretty much what he deserves, and so do we if we get to that place where we can live an encounter with God, and then all of a sudden become depressed and ready to end it all. By the way, that's our choice. The angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him. He said, get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Then, then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. He entered a cave there and spent the night. Suddenly, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the, with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Did you hear how he started that? But the Israelites, blaming somebody else. It was dude's choice. Seriously, it was Elijah's choice to turn, become afraid, and run. That was his choice. Just like it's our choice. If God has told you what is going to happen, if God has told you, given you a glimpse of what your future looks like, then that's what it is. It may not look, see, feel, smell like it in the moment, but dang, find a place in this word that he's ever lied. You won't, so don't waste your time. But if you want to go there, actually, I challenge you, if you're struggling like that, go try to find it, because you're going to get so encouraged. (laughs) Then he said, God said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. He invited him. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Why do we go look for the Lord in Facebook? We're forlorn, depressed, and everything else, then what do we do? Scroll. Maybe it's Instagram for you, or whatever the other one is. There's so many of them, I've lost track of it, and honestly, I don't want to be caught up. But for real. Because that just takes you down deeper and deeper, because all this fake stuff that's on, talk about fake news. All these smiley faces, look how good life's going for us. Mm Mm-hmm, sure. (laughs) After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Why do we turn on to whatever we use to medicate ourselves? This, This demented term called comfort food. Really? Or why do we get, turn the TV on and just watch movie after movie after movie, or binge watch this show, or binge watch that show? Has anybody ever found the Lord in that? Just like he wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Surely he would be in the fire. Come on, the burning bush, surely the Lord would be in the fire. Yeah, no. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Listen, a second time, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
I have been very zealous for, see, here's the deal. We get all wrapped up and depressed in whatever else you might personally deal with, and we look for all these places to medicate ourselves, to take care of that emptiness. There's only one way to take care of that emptiness, and that's in the name of Jesus. So choose to have an encounter. You can have an encounter. Here's the thing. There is no reason you can't have an encounter wherever it is in your home. If you go in the prayer closet, awesome. If you go into your loft, awesome. If you do it in the shower, awesome. If you do it in the car, wherever it is you do it, you should be having an encounter with him when you talk with him. Because I promise you, he's listening. 385 verses in the Bible talk about how God talks to us. 385. I think it's important to him. I've been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, he replied, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they're looking for me to take my life. Who cares if they're, trying to, if they're cursing you or whatever they're doing? If you're living for the Lord and you're doing what it is that he's asked you, yes, out of the counsel of many there is wisdom. So it's not that we're called to live a life alone. That's stupid. He sent them out in twos. We're to live in life in community. But if we're living life in community, here's the thing. If I get a little wacko, I know Tim's going to call me to the side and say, uh, Jeff, um, I think you might want to reconsider or however he's going to say it. And actually, the way our relationship has gone over the years, there were some times that he pulled me aside and Jeff, I think you're, 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 you're in a bad place. You need to get it together. And I love him for that because guess what? When he did that, I had two choices. I could take offense. What the heck does he know? Or I could, wait a minute, is there something to this? And then I can get with Holy Spirit and say, was he right? And the one time I had to say, was he right? Holy Spirit, the other time it was easy. I didn't have to think about it. But had he not cared enough about me to do that? See, if we we show... (laughs) If we show mercy and grace to each other and we don't speak truth, then we're mean. God says he chastises those he loves. And that word chastise, that's pretty hard reprimand. Look it up. It's pretty intense. So your encounter with him, and I've had encounters with God where he's chastising me. And I'm grateful for those encounters because in those encounters, I walk out and I'm not the same anymore because you know what doesn't follow his chastisement when he's chewing me out for something that is whacked inside of me or a thought process I'm having that's messed up? I don't walk away feeling beat up. I actually walk away feeling like, oh my gosh, he really cares about me that much that he doesn't want that thing inside of me. So, yeah. Then the Lord said to him, verse 15, go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. See, he corrected him, and then he sent him on his way. He told him what was next. When you arrive, you are to anoint Hazael as king over Aram. You are to anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, son of Shaphat, from that place, as prophet in your place. You know what's interesting there, and we don't have time for this? Elisha only got to fulfill the anointing of one of those. Excuse me, Elijah only got to fulfill the anointing of one of those. So sometimes as leaders, we're given this word that we have and do this, this, and this, but all we're actually supposed to do is this because somebody else is supposed to carry on the next piece. No clue why I shared that with you, but for you out there that are struggling, maybe that'll help you. But we know did I just go? No. We know what happens to Elijah. He ends up getting carried up in a golden chariot. What a way to go. So clearly the encounters with God got him to a place where he could trust. And it didn't change God's plan for him because he ran and hid in the cave. It didn't change a thing. The only thing that changes when we get messed up like that is because we doubt him. He's not a man that he should lie. Anything that he's spoken in here is truth, and anything that he's spoken to you, or any of the amazing prophetic words that you've, had, that you've received, they're true. Come on. When we were down in Georgia, the moment I touched the handle to let Tina, because that's what I do. Chivalry's not dead. 
I opened the door for my wife to walk into the, to the building first. And as soon as I touched that handle, the, my inside started to, to tremble. Not in a fear way, like everything inside of me was shaking. And I've had that happen three times in my life, four counting this morning. I've had that happen three other times in my life. And when that happens, I know God's about to do something. So, and by the way, for anybody out there that says, oh yeah, that's Jeff and Tina, because they're, no, 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 no. She just told you one of the reasons we got in the, in the baptismal was because of the work that he's been doing in our marriage, so we got in there to celebrate. Okay? But it was crazy, and it didn't stop until 2.30 in the morning. Like, I was literally trembling inside the whole time. That encounter just like, it's like I had asked him in a previous encounter with him, they're like, what do you want? I said, I want that old med, that old man that's still hanging around in my head and my heart. I want it dead. I don't want to carry it anymore. I'm emotionally, physically drained. I'm exhausted. It's not because of what I, the work that I was doing. It's because I'm carrying that dead man around. Well, he took it. And then I'm, my, my immediate response to him, because I've done this before, I picked it up again. I'm like, Lord, how do I live forward and not pick that thing up again? And he was real so He says, son, just don't turn around and pick it up. <laughs> I'm expecting some grand, deep thing, you know, some deep theological thing from God. And just don't turn around and pick it up. But hear that. I... He encountered me, he took it from me, and then he gave me the simplest of solutions. And I didn't feel stupid when he gave it to me. I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> it's that easy. So I haven't, by the way, turned around and picked it back up. That happened about a month and a half ago, and the trip to Georgia was three weeks ago. Um, but he was preparing me for what he had for us in, in Georgia. So the first night, <laughs> just to silence any additional doubt I might have that he had set up an encounter for me there with him. They play Agnes Day. What y'all don't know is that's how I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was in Brazil. And for the three days prior to that, I got Tina on one side of me and I got this sweet grandma from Virginia on the other side of me. And the people, Brazilians speak Portuguese. So they're praying over these people, these Brazilians that speak Portuguese and hear Portuguese, and God's manifesting, and I'm in the center, and I'm like, because I don't speak in tongues. Quite frankly, I heard it. I knew she wasn't demonic, so I knew it was real. This is a real process I had. I knew my wife wasn't demonic. She's praying in tongues. It's got to be real. I saw it in the Word, but I still didn't believe in it. So he set about making it straight. And we sing Agnes Day in English. They honored us like that. And then the third song later, all of a sudden I'm hearing the tune and I'm like, oh, that's Agnes Day again. Awesome. And, and it was the third day version. Love that version. Mac Powell. Anyway, so anointed. And the next thing you know, I'm like this on my tiptoes. Whoops. On my tiptoes. And I'm singing in perfect Portuguese. Remember, I didn't believe in it. And I knew I was because I was surrounded by Brazilians and I sounded just like them. That's never happened since, but I do pray in tongues. Just to the best of my knowledge, not Portuguese. But he used it to do that. So that's why it was important that he starts playing Agnes Day and all the way on the, on the trip down, we're listening to Sirius Radio and they play Agnes Day. The third day version. And I'm like, what? So like he's setting it up, right? And then, if that's not enough, the guy teaching that night, he's teaching on the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, which I had just taught on the week before. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> Seriously, that's exactly how I said it. I'm like, what? I'm like, okay, God, I got this. I got this. Well, no, you got this, but I'm getting it. <laughs> um, and so that night, as I'm, as I'm praying, and yeah, it's, it's not about the water, guys. It's really not. It's about the encounter with him. He just chose to use the water in this circumstance for us. Why? I don't know. And when I get to heaven, I'm not going to give a rip. 
I'm going to have a whole lot more things like just being in, like, what? I don't even know if I'll be able to stand, but anyway. But he told me in that moment, he says, you've been retreating to the cave. That's how I found out I've been retreating to the cave. What does that look like for me? He would start to elevate me, and all hell would break out. Every single time. For the years that I've been coming here, and I've been invited to preach, I would get to the place right before that, and all hell would break out in my life. And I would turn and run. I would retreat instead of press in and press forward. That's what it looks like. And it's like, no more. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. 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 It's been three weeks, and I have not gone back to that cave. It does not mean that all hell didn't break loose. And and, and I got to preach this Wednesday. So we had this amazing conversation with, with Tim and Don, and I had this amazing conversation with Tim on the phone, and he invited me to preach. I knew I was preaching Wednesday, which I did on healing. I don't know why I looked back there like there was... But... It's behind you. It's behind me. And he had asked me to go ahead and preach today as well. Well, I had never preached here Wednesday and then Sunday. Boy, did all hell break loose. And so Tina said to me, she said, "Hon, don't give up that ground. It's not the enemy's. It's yours. And I'm like, okay. So I said, uh-uh, enemy. Mm-mm. <laughs> Everywhere I put my feet will become my territory. Everywhere. And the same is true for you. The encounter is designed to change you, period. Hmm. So pastor talked about how God loves the darkness. I'm not going to be able to share all this, but I'll share what's, what's important, and, and God will do the rest. But he talked about God loves the darkness. And when he said that title, I'm like, what? And then he went on to explain. For whatever reason, Holy Spirit had him praying with the lights out. And he told him, he said, you know what? You've been praying for the wrong stuff. He's been spending his time in prayer all about his petitions, which, by the way, is truth. And at the end of his message, he gave us five minutes to get wherever we wanted in the auditorium, and they played some soaking music so we could just get with God. And what God we, you had two things happen with the people in the auditorium. They either went to this place of incredible thankfulness, which is where Tina went, or me, I'm on my face on the chairs, and I find myself repenting. I was crying. And it wasn't because I tried to cry. It just came out. And I found myself saying, I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry for everything that I've elevated above you. Why do you think I could speak about Facebook and comfort food and binge-watching whatever TV show. Lord, really? I'm so sorry. Hey, son, he said, son, you have elevated everything above me. He said, hear my heart, son. I want your time. Repentance didn't hurt. And yes, I cried. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Man, it just came out of me. I didn't have to manufacture it. It just came out. He said, son, I want your time. I love you. What if you put some of that stuff, what if you, what if you quit seeking my hand, my hands, and start seeking my face? And I'm like, I don't even know what you mean, Lord. He said, to seek my hand is to seek my promises, is to seek my miracles, it's to seek the healing, it's to seek your need to pay your next bill, you need this, you need that. He said, there's nothing wrong with that, son, but what if you sought my face? He said, I said, what do you mean by that? He said, look for my face. Look for where I'm at, seek me. What if you got into the prayer time and you just sought me? He says, son, I promise you, if you start to do that, you will find my hand. But son, have you ever found my face by seeking my hand? And I just, the chills just ran down my body. And I started to cry again. And I'm like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. 
So I've been seeking, we've actually been seeking his face. And we've been coming here on Tuesdays. Tuesday's my church day. Right now, there's going to be more. Just going to speak that now in the name of Jesus. But we've been coming here on Tuesdays from 6 to 7. If you want to join us, the next two Tuesdays, we're going to be here, 6 to 7. And we're praying for the church. But we're praying for the church by seeking his face. The petitions always get lifted up. But oh my gosh, the way that I'm praying now for the petitions is so different than it was before. Because I don't have the slightest doubt that one of two things is going to happen. He's going to show me whatever my petition is is actually not important. Or he's going to settle it in my heart that it's going to take place. Why? Because what matters to me matters to him. How did he settle that in my heart? Through the encounter. You don't have to go to Georgia to have the encounter, though. That's the thing. The encounter, because he's in you, can happen in your prayer closet. But it most assuredly should happen every Sunday or this Friday since we're going to have worship circles. We should no longer have an event take place like worship circles that has five people. Why? Because I know our lives are busy, but have we elevated stuff above him? And you know, since he's been working on changing my, my priorities, the important stuff on the planet is still getting done. It does not make sense mathematically. But it is, because he cares about that stuff. But when you choose to look for an encounter with him over everything else, yeah, it changes everything. It changes everything. We need to host his presence above all and everything else. Presence for only one thing, to see his face so that we can follow him. When your eyes are stayed on him, you've got no other option but to follow him. It becomes easy. The crap still hits the fan, yes. And yes, you do this sometimes because you get shaken. But notice my feet didn't move. Just like the song that we sung about the firm foundation today. We need to seek him for one thing only, his face, to see that we can, so that we can follow him. Not for strategies, not to learn about sonship, not even for healing, just to see his face so that we can follow him. We must acquire passionate pursuit to be able to be a resting place for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. That needs to be our number one priority as individuals and corporately. As individuals and corporately. And by the way, corporately can be in your home. Where one or two are gathered, there he will be. We had the marriage group, which has is, is been fascinating. Last night it wasn't as well attended as usually is because there was some wonderful, beautiful God things happening in, in couples' lives. But a couple showed up, and when they showed up, guess what? The presence of God rested on them, and he undid some stuff that was in them that, they, that, that was twisted. We didn't set that up. He set it up. In his presence, things change. One more scripture, Acts 9. While you're going to Acts 9, I don't know when it was. It doesn't matter while we were on that trip, but we're worshiping. And it was so cool because we moved up and the group that was behind us found us so they could be behind us again, which was so cool. Because they had just said, you know, and I'm not, this is not bragging on me, by the way. This is bragging on what God's presence has done in us. We worship freely. So they said, hey, we love watching the two of you worship. It just causes us to enter in further. And we're like, well, praise Jesus. So they moved up behind us and they said, you guys moved. And I'm like, yeah, our crew moved us up. Well, we came looking for you. I'm like, awesome, you found us. How you doing? <laughs> And you might get to meet them because they're praying for Kentucky and they're going to come up sometime. So we'll bring them to church because they're going to stay with us. But anyway, they turn after, after the one worship set. I don't know when. It was all a blur. Time was totally a blur. He tapped me on the shoulder, the husband, and he says, man, I just saw the fire of God fall on you. It hasn't left. And the cool thing is, the night before, this sweet little old lady that was praying for us at the altar walks up and she says, ma'am, I see the fire of God in your belly. 
That wasn't to elevate us. That was to elevate God and encourage you that what he can do for us, he can do for you. Because I've been praying for the fire of God for a long time. A long time. And he answered. Acts 9. It's the Damascus Road encounter. We, I really don't have time to read it. But it's the Damascus Road encounter. Paul goes on a Damascus Road. He's the Judaizer of Judaizers. He's killing Jews, right? Arresting them, killing them, right? And all of a sudden, this bright light, so bright, he gets knocked to the ground, eyes open, can't see, has to spend three days without food and water, waiting for, and, and God's, Jesus tells him, why don't you just think about the way you're going to suffer for me? And he encounters God, right? He encounters Jesus in a powerful way that changes him. So much so. So that encounter, in my opinion, because encounters are for different things as I was reading these. The first encounter was to encourage Elijah, right? Or excuse me, was to encourage Elijah. The, actually, the, that was the second encounter. The first encounter of Mary Magdalene was to set someone that was demonized free. Elijah was hungry. She was demonized. She needed help. And then in this one, Paul was going to miss it. Paul was going to miss what he was called to do on this planet. And Jesus says, uh-uh, enough is enough. Here you are, now's the time. And he set things straight. And Paul, you know Paul's story, my goodness. We wouldn't have a lot of the New Testament if it wasn't for Paul. Hello. So you're not going to miss your encounter. Then we could go on and talk about Jack, Jacob wrestling with God, which was all about hunger. Joshua encountered God in the tent of meeting with Moses, and he wouldn't leave. He goes on to defeat 31 kings and set people up in their, their place on the mountain, and he's 100 and some odd years old, going strong, right? Abraham in the burning bush. Moses talked to God and wouldn't go, in, wouldn't go unless God did. The woman at the well found her identity in the encounter. The encounter changes things permanently if we choose to allow it. So today... Thank you for listening, but for today, what I want to pray is for those of you that haven't had an encounter in a while, and you want an encounter. But here's the warning, or the caveat. If you want that encounter, I want you to come hungry so that we can pray for that encounter, and then accept it. And we, by the way, for anybody that forgets what happened an hour ago, we had an encounter. But if you need a fresh encounter, if Tim and Don and, and Tina and Jim could come up, please. Um, and if you could lay down some track, I don't care, something chill, no words. But what I want you to do, if you haven't had an encounter in a while, or you need a fresh touch from God to have that encounter, then I want you to come forward and get prayed for. Man, on these Wednesday fires, everyone's been coming forward. Come on. Oh, where's the people that come on Wednesdays? Where'd you go? You can come up and lead the way, Right? But I'm not going to pressure you, pressurize you and manipulate you to come forward. But I'm telling you, if you want a fresh touch from God, if you want an encounter with God, come up and we'll be glad to pray with you. And you will have that encounter. And for those of you that are ready to go, well, I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to have that encounter as you go. But if you're here today and you even feel the slight little nudge that it's time for you to have a fresh encounter, come up and get prayed for. It'd be our privilege. In Jesus' name, I love you.